Air now has two premier cannabis dispensaries in the greater Boston area. Airback Bay is conveniently located in the heart of Boston at 827 Boylston Street across from the Prudential Center, serving adult-use customers. Or check out Air Watertown, located near Watertown Square at 48 North Beacon Street, serving medical patients and adult-use customers. Our team is eager to help you choose from a wide assortment of premium cannabis products. Join us in the air, spelled A-Y-R, in Back Bay, Watertown, or online. Please consume responsibly. This product may cause impairment and may be habit-forming. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. This product has not been analyzed or approved by the Food and Drug Administration. There is limited information on the side effects of using this product, and there may be associated health risks. Marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding may pose potential harms. It is against the law to drive or operate machinery when under the influence of this product. Keep this product away from children. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. The impairment effects of edible marijuana may be delayed by two hours or more. In case of accidental ingestion, contact Poison Control Hotline at 1-800-222-1222 or 911. This product may be illegal outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts State License Number MR283946, MR283886, Watertown Medical License Number RMD325. It's Boston's most listened to afternoon radio program. Wee! Felger mm. and Matt. You need a little bit of fat in there for flavor. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5, the Sports Hub. With Mac Jones, um, health permitting, is, is he a player that you envision being your starting quarterback next season, or is this a position, position you need to reevaluate this offseason? Well, I think there's, uh, you know, Mac has the ability to, um, you know, to play quarterback in this league. And, you know, we have to all work together to try to, you know, find the best um, and most, you know, best way to, as a, as a football team, um, which obviously the quarterback's an important position, to be more productive than we were this year. And so that's incumbent upon all of us. We'll all work together on that. And, and again, look for better results. That was one of the big comments from uh, Bill Belichick yesterday, and we'll get right back into it today with the big boy, Greg Bedard, Boston Sports Journal. It's a big boy Tuesday here on Felger and Mass, presented to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook from our Town Fair Tire Studios here in Waltham. Big Jim Murray in the Update Studio and Greg Bedard alongside. Hi, Greg. Hello. Big Boy Tuesday is presented by Uber Eats, Ooh. which Greg absolutely used to abuse. Now he takes it a little easier. But you can get healthy stuff there, yeah, too. salads. And of course. Stuff, yeah. you get carrots. Mm-hmm. A lot of games this weekend. So if you're looking to feed your game day crew, no need to leave the house because Uber Eats has you covered with so many options. First-time users can get $30 off their first three orders. So that equal $90, Murray? I could do that. Or just 30 total. Either way, big savings (laughs) off your first three orders with promo code HUB. Taxes and fees apply. Download the Uber Eats app for availability. Greg, how does that comment by Bill Belichick and that approach, i.e. throwing shade on Mac Jones, for lack of a better term, how does that play in the locker room there down in Foxborough? Not well. I mean, the, the players that I've spoken to over the past week or so sort of you know, buttoning up end of the season stuff. It's what I do every year. Um, you know, Mac has universal support in the locker room and the players on both sides of the ball, especially the offense, realize the position that they were put in this season. They were not put in position to succeed. And um, I think it's it was a problem this year. We'll see what happens if Bill does anything more in private. But I think the lack of accountability by the head coach on him putting 
these players in these positions. Um, specifically, how Mac Jones handled the whole Bailey uh, Bill handled the whole Bailey Zappi situation. That did not go over well in the locker room with Mac's teammates. And I think there's, uh, I think there's a, there's an issue there. And I don't think further throwing Mac Jones under the bus is going to help things. So it's interesting, twofold there. The, the 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 problem with Bill doing that, not fully supporting Mac Jones. One, the players like Mac Jones support Mac Jones, so they don't like Bill going after Mac Jones. That's one. But two, by doing that, Bill's skirting responsibility on himself. That's yeah. something I didn't consider. That by you know blaming Mac Jones for lack of a better term again. He's not pointing the finger where it should be pointed, and that was his decisions. And the players, that's where the players are thinking. I mean, talking to the players, I mean, they, you know, you ask them certain questions, and they they just look at you like, you know what's going on? Like, you are you have eyes. Like, it's, it's obvious this was a disaster from the get-go. Look at where we were offensively last year. Look at where we are this year. One of the comments that one of the players made to me was, if we would have just kept the same blocking system that we had last year, the the sacks would have been cut in half, and so would the negative plays. And how much better would the offense just be from that? And yet, you know, you don't hear any of that accountability. You know, Bill paid lip service yesterday to it, saying like, oh, well, uh, oh, I'm accountable, we're all accountable, you know. But he, he didn't really – he could have easily – gone out there and multiple of us gave him the opportunity, uh, including myself, saying we gave him the opportunity to basically fall on the sword and just say, look, I I thought this was a good idea. I thought all these changes were good for the team. Obviously, they weren't. Just look at all of our offensive statistics across the board. Obviously, it was the wrong thing. That was my fault, my decision, and I am going to fight like hell to fix it going forward. Well, that would take a lot of humility. Can he do that? Can he find that within himself? Well, no. And and that's part of the whole, uh, the X factor in the Belichick craft sort of postseason meeting is, is Bill willing to go that far even with his owner? And what's the owner's reaction to that? Like, as far as I know, from what I understand, and Bill said yesterday he intends to be back for another season. Um, he hadn't met with Robert yet when he made that uh, declaration, which is fine. And that that so Bill wants to be back. My understanding is ownership wants him to continue. Um, but, you know, what he's done in the past, when he meets with Robert, I've been told what Robert hears from Bill is not any different than what he tells the media. Oof. And, and That's what, horrible. And my understanding is, this year, that's not good enough. That, you know, Bill needs to, and, and I do think from what I've heard privately, Bill has acknowledged his failings. You know, to who? I don't know. I don't know who he's spoken this to, but he has admitted his failings and he 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 is intent on correcting it. And if he does all that and he says all the right things, here we go. We're moving forward. But is he gonna do that? I don't know. So you're saying that in the past, that when Bill sat down for his end-of-the-year meeting with Robert Kraft. It was the same thing we hear at the podium, roughly. No best for the team. That yeah. sort of thing? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and most of the time, look, they were successful. So it's basically, it was sort of like a informal, like, 
you know, hey, th- this is what we we're good at. You know, we we're kind of lacking here. We'll attack it this way. And that's about it. So so it was something akin to I had Billy. Uh, excuse me. I don't know why I said Billy. I had Jimmy go pull this up. So you're saying in the past that the, the little glimpse we saw in the do your job or football life, whatever it was, one of those NFL network specials where Kraft goes in there to talk about the game coming up against Tennessee and the weather. And Bill could barely be bothered to spit out his fruit salad. That's sort of what we get. That's sort of what Kraft usually gets at the end of the year. I I, I had him pull it up. Listen, here's the owner of the team. All the owner wanted to talk about was the freaking weather. Listen to Bill. This weather is more of an equalizer. It won't. It will affect the kicking game, but it might affect the passing game. He's slurping, snorting. It will affect the kicking game, but it might affect the passing game. What's that? I can't hear you over the canned peaches, Bill. <laughs> it'll affect the kicking game. It'll affect the passing game. <laughs> What? Huh? Wait, no, pick, no, no, pick no, the, no. The, the, Bill, would it be an equalizer with the kicking game? So the, the kicking game? <laughs> it will the kicking game, but it might <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it. In our headsets, it's clear Bill slurping on the fruit salad. Like listening to Zoe do a remote. So the, but so like, so. Uh, you're, you're saying Robert Kraft's going to need a little bit more than that this time around, Greg. That's my understanding. And yes. do we think Bill's prepared to give it this time? I do. I mean, f- from the people I've talked to, and this has been going on a few weeks now, that I've heard that, you know, Bill is, uh, he realizes what has gone on. I mean, it's blatant to everybody, and uh, he is intent on correcting it, you know, but who knows with bill it's an x factor does he get his back up is he you know is he defensive about it you know did he not like the email to the season ticket holders yesterday like who knows but uh are you speculating on that or did you hear something about no no no, no, no. i mean i mean i I, i'm sorry i don't mean to answer for you but these are the things i'd be at you who knows if bill can be open-minded and um What's the word I'm looking for? Humbled uh, or open or any of these things. Conciliatory. Who knows if he can be any of these things? Yeah, Has he ever been that before? And how many 70-year-olds do you know all of a sudden change? Absolutely. And for years and years, he didn't need to be because he was winning at a high level. So he could be whatever he wanted to be. Can he strike the tone and really believe the things that the owner needs him to believe and do the things that need to be done. That's an open question. I think he will, because, again, I, I think Bill does not want to start over somewhere else. Yeah. So I think he will ultimately do all those things. But it can't be three-word answers. If I'm the owner, I want PowerPoint presentations, names, dots. You know, I want to see a whole thing, of like a 10-point plan. Okay, we're going to take calls with Greg at 617-779-0985. You said to me on TV last night that – Kraft and Bill were supposed to be meeting at some point here shortly. Have Has this meeting occurred? What do we know? As far as I know, it has not yet. It didn't happen, as far as I know, last night. Uh, it's expected to happen at some point today. I, I don't know uh, exactly when. Okay. What else do they have to do in the short term? I, I And one something I want to hit on today is the Gerard Mayo thing. I think it's just a mm-hmm. fascinating, I think really sort of a pressure point there because you know, losing Gerard Mayo – for a title and or salary 
would be a really bad look for the team, especially because he's not getting the title or salary because Bill's kid has the spot. And this isn't really to debate whether Bill's kid deserves a spot or Steve has done a good or bad job or Gerard Mayo should have it. It's, it's really not. We, we can debate those things. I don't know those things. It's hard to tell who's good, who's bad, who does what. It's hard to know. But what I'm talking about is how it plays. And one of the big problems that Bill has is cronyism and nepotism on his staff. Big problem that has to be addressed. And has to be addressed from the ownership <laughs> and Jonathan on down. Do you, do, you, do you get the irony there? But it, it's, it, it really does have to be addressed. Are, are we getting the best people or are we relying on friends and kids of friends and that whole thing or kids? So that's a big problem on the staff has to be addressed. In the middle of that, you're going to lose a good defensive coach for title and salary because he's blocked by the coach's kid. So what do they do about that That's one? That's one of the questions, if I'm Robert Kraft, that I have for Bill. You know, what's going on with Gerard? Why do we need to lose him? And, you know, what kind of answer does Bill have about that? I mean, there it, it would be a bad look for Bill Belichick and the Patriots if Gerard Mayo leaves to become defensive coordinator someplace else. Absolutely. For, because what? Stevie is going to call the plays? And it's really not just the title. I mean, part of me was saying – that what the Belichicks, the family should do is, since Steve is not up for any jobs and is not a flight risk, Steve should just bite the bullet, mm-hmm. let Gerard Mayo be the defensive coordinator in title, keep their same roles, uh, Mayo gets the title, gets a little raise, and Steve should just take one for the team, for the family business. This is what's best for the family business. I'm not going anywhere anyway. Except Gerard Mayo also wants to call plays, right? Right, yes. Greg? Yes. So it's not just, and Gerard Mayo is smart for this. He doesn't want some honorary title or some sort of you know office politics title or something no 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 give me the play sheet give me the defense because that's what he's going to have an opportunity to do in cleveland or somewhere else so unless you give that to him here he's gone what do they do about that it's a bad look if he leaves for a defensive co- for another assistant coaching job including coordinator job that's a bad look and sort of strikes at the heart of what the problem is here you know good coaches blocked or not brought on because the spaces are filled by kids or kids of friends or friends. That strikes right to the heart of it. So that's something I, I want to explore today. Again, with your calls with Greg Bedard, we'll get right to you after these words. What's up? When you stay at a Verbo vacation home, the host doesn't stay with you. So when you share an inside joke, sunscreen, or a couch, it will only be with people you want to be there. Because without privacy in your vacation home, it isn't really a vacation, is it? Only whole vacation homes, always private. Book on the Verbo app. Stop hitting me! Stop hitting me! It's Velger and Mass. Oh, I'm sorry. That's next door. It's being hit on the head lessons in here. 98.5 The Sports Hub. The guys in the room, we fought through a lot this year, a lot of up and downs, and learned a lot about each other, learned a lot about football. Not good enough today. Starts with me as the quarterback. and Definitely left everything out there for the Patriot on our jersey and the names on our back, so it's all you can really do, but just disappointing. Uh. 
All right, before we get to the phones, Greg, that you thought uh, Mac Jones had some tells in his post-game press conference there, you know? For sure. Name, I thought, name on the front, name on the back, uh, well, everything we – well, it's how much How much he learned. I mean, in the way he looked, I mean, he looked – like he was in a hostage video and like <laughs> it was about to come to an end. Like he just looked, he, his face and what he said basically, uh, you know, gave, gave rise to the thinking that like these guys are just, they were miserable the entire season. The season for the offense was miserable across the board. Um, it was a complete failure. And um, I think, you know, in many respects, they're glad that it's over. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're putting a better position for next year. He couldn't get that no out fast enough yep. when he was asked about whether he was satisfied with his play this year. Progress, and growth, yeah. Progress like that. And so that, I thought, was a bit of a tell. Like, no, I've been held back by, by what I've been surrounded with with the coaching staff. I mean, how about him saying, like, you know, I, I never thought I could uh, – I would learn as much as I did this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year you were – a rookie in a new system and you learned more this year. And I think it had everything to do with like the offense, the humiliating Bailey Zappi thing with the bears game, well, like all of that. Stuff. Well, yeah, when he said that he's, I learned the, the, the downside of yeah. pro football, learned adversity, learned, right. Learned that it's all, not all fake boobs and champagne. You know, it's not all Josh McDaniels and everything laid out for you. And it's not all that. So that's what he was referring to. I mean, I can't you know say he learned about the passing game this year or anything like that from from those coaches. All right, as promised, to your calls here with Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal, Jim and Worcester, lead us off. Jim, yeah, how you doing, Mike? Good. Hey, look, here's the bet. You were right on about the nepotism and stuff like that. I mean, you look at Belichick's kid. I mean, what is he? He wouldn't be coaching on any other team in the league if it wasn't for his being with his father. So he should be gone. I mean, he has a look on his face like he's trying to shake a cliff hanger loose. And then when you, <laughs> I missed that one. I, I, I think he's, he's trying to shake a cliffhanger loose, which I've never referred to it as that, but I think I know what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. The, the, <laughs> I, I just wanted the the nepotism thing. In Bill's defense, I suppose, it's rampant across the league. It's rampant in the sport. Our whole lives, it's been that way. And I feel like it it has been our whole lives, Jim. I also feel like it's getting worse because I feel like the football-playing world is shrinking. And so it's like if these, you know, if the coaches and players don't come from their dad playing, where does it come from? Like I So, like, Andy Reid has his kids on his staff, and, you know, that's not a great story. And, you know, just across the league, there's kids everywhere of the coaches. So he's hardly the only one. And it it certainly goes back a generation. The shoeless kids were on his staff, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so he's hardly the only one. And, you know, it'd be be really rich if the owner calls him on that. Since, you know, look at the masthead at, at Gillette and the masthead on every freaking team across the league. Yep. Okay, so the nepotism in the ownership and front office ranks is gross. So the, I guess that's in defense of Bill. Now, okay, that being said. Well, I hear, here's another defensive bill is that, um, you know, he, the way he would look at this, like say Steve Belichick was somebody else, like as far as what he does with his coaching staff as it relates to Gerard Mayo, he would look at the fact that um, Steve Belichick has been a positional coach on this team since 2016. Gerard Mayo has been a positional coach since 2019. More tenure. He does this all the time. It's sort of like, you know, why, uh, you know, Mick Lombardi left to go with Josh. He thought he was 
he was blocked here or, you know, you know, what have you as far as who is going to be the next guy. Bill just has a way of doing it. It's the pecking order. It's the seniority, tenure, all that stuff. So he would do that, in my opinion, as far as what's going on with defensive coordinator, regardless of whether that was Steve Belichick or Steve Meyer. But th- there's something the way it's worked out that does not present well. You know, uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. Yep. So he started out with his dad, right? No, he did not. And so I was going to bring okay, him up. Ahead, Kyle Shanahan's the exception. Kyle Shanahan. I thought he was with him in Washington. He was, but like, first of all, he started as a grad assistant at UCLA. Okay. And then he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's where a lot of those guys, those young kids, worked together. Uh, you know, he was a quality control coach there, like Chris Sims was on the staff. Then he went to the Houston Texans. Now, he worked for Gary Kubiak. That was one of his dad's friends. And runs that offense, but, but either way. Yeah, he was wide receivers coach, quarterbacks coach, re- rose to offensive coordinator. Then he, then joined- he went to his dad. No way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think Bill has done his kids a disservice by having them start day one under his bosom. And it's like, you know, they'd be better served if they had gone to one of his buddies' staffs and started there and made a name and then came back and it'd be a... So I, I don't but, think, he, and, but also to defend Bill, I I don't know this for a fact, but just looking at the circumstances, you know, from what I understand, you know, some of the coaches' kids have a tough time when they go out on their own, specifically Andy Reid's kids, and I think Bill looked at it as a chance, like I they they can get experience, they can rise under me and and be here that under my thumb, that you know I can keep them, you know, on the straight and narrow. I, I just think I don't know if it's done them a service. Because we all look at it, like the caller said, Steve wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for his dad, which I don't believe. I think Steve Belichick has done enough and been around enough, and certainly the defense was good enough this year that he's an NFL assistant coach. So I think he'd have another job. I don't think that's fair. But the way it looks and the way it's gone, it's sort of that's the knee-jerk reaction. So Well, here here's the other thing, is if looking at Steve's resume and the statistics for the defense, you know, going back the last like three years since Flores left the statistics are good like we certainly have our issues against good offenses but his resume coupled with his name like you know if if people thought he was the next Bill Belichick he would already be a head coach by now he doesn't even get interviews he's never mentioned why is that I I, because because I think the th- the fact that he's you know day one here all through here that that's held against him under Bill Belichick it's it's held against the best thing for Bill would be to get Steve a job a good job on another team that's why if I'm Brian I see what happens with Steve I'm I would have like been like Josh take me right or you know one of these guys right start over you know I don't know if Steve could get a defensive coordinator job somewhere else but is 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 there a friendly soft landing spot somewhere in the league. Raiders go to Alabama, Tennessee, with Saban. Alabama, perfect, and start to build something outside of here, and give the job. I mean, like, and I, I, and I, I think for if Belichick wants what's best for his kid, he would encourage that too. That's that's what that's what I think Bill should do. I don't know if he wants to. I think Bill likes working with his kid. Who wouldn't? But this is kind of an issue. If Mayo leaves for a, a title, an assistant title, and a coordinator title or more money because he's blocked by Belichick's kid. Bad luck. Steven in Oregon. Go ahead, Steven. Hey, you guys kind of just touched on it here a minute ago, but, you know, do you think if Bill brings back sort of the same Bozo staff with a special teams coordinator and a defensive guy running the offense that 
you know, Kraft kind of looks at that. He's not bending the knee for him. Do you think he's on the hot seat if it starts out looking the same as it did this past year? Oh, I don't think Bill will be allowed to do that, would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in my opinion from talking to people, I would say it's at today before they quote-unquote meet, I would say it's 90% that Bill is back. But the 10% is allowing for Bill to be defensive and say, Screw you, Robert. I've won you six Super Bowl titles. I will. My coaching staff is who I think should be there. Okay, so the callers were mentioning the staff. If Bill comes back with the same staff and they get off to a bad start or have another bad year, what does that mean? I, my point is, I don't think Bill's going to be allowed to bring back the same staff. I don't think so either. And I don't think Bill wants to bring back the same staff. No. By the way, I don't think he's no. gonna. I don't think he's gonna do that thing that you said. But again, you you never know with Bill. But I I, I think Belichick's going to accept. The, the changes that need to be made. And uh, Mike Holly said something last night. It's totally right. What you ideally want is build a, for it to be Bill's idea. You know, you don't want this forced on Bill because that's just, you know, that's not healthy. You want Bill to read the room, understand the situation, and come up with the changes and the ideas himself before the owner has to lean on him. And here's the other thing um, that I heard, which was interesting, and I hadn't heard it before, that in this instance, Bill might be okay if Robert is heavy-handed as far as the staff. This is interesting that Bill almost wants Robert to uh, order it. Why? Because it would it would allow Bill it would it would basically give him cover to say sorry X Y and Z you're out. The it, owner drew a line in the sand. It would be Bill's ex- if Matt Patricia looks at Bill and says Bill you're doing me dirty. Bill can then say the owner's making me do it. My hands are tied, Matt. What do you want me to do, Joe? I'm sorry. I, I I tried to make this work. I want it to work. I'd bring you back. Robert won't let me. Bill gets cover from that. Mm-hmm. I like that one, too. Hmm. Yeah, that surprised me. I had not considered that. I had not heard that anyplace else. Jimmy's hovering by the mic, which I love. Greg, is there precedent for this? Was there a coach from Rutgers who was a defensive back or a defensive coordinator or Shiano. something like that, who was in here for like three days, and then there was an upheaval about it, and Robert told him to get rid of him? <laughs> well, Shiano was oh, hired. Hold on, hold on. Jimmy's just wondering this. Like, he, he yeah, just, because, right, yeah. like, he, he knows about assistants that come in here for three days from Rutgers and then and then leave. So I'm sorry. What that was the, oh, it's coming back to me now. So Shiano was hired as defensive coordinator for a few days. And I remember at the time, I, I think I wrote a column basically saying, like, people should be pissed. Like, Brian Flores should have this job. And uh, maybe that's what Jimmy's getting at. So, uh, well, let's go back and look at this. Did they name Shiano as the D coordinator? I don't know if they specifically named him. I don't know if there was an official press release about yep, it, but yep. he was hired and brought in for that specific job, I believe. And you think internally, or you're wondering? There was push. I wonder if there was pushback from, say, team leaders like Devin McCourty, who didn't like this guy's background, this guy's tone, and maybe they went up the back stairs to the owner, and the owner stepped in and said, "Get rid of this guy." I mean, I'm looking February 6, 2019. Greg Schiano will be the new New England Patriots' new defensive coordinator. Reports Jim McBride of the Boston Globe. It was to replace Flores. He had left for Miami. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, there was some other. All right, you know what? We're, instead of fumbling around, we're gonna yep. uh, we're gonna button this up <laughs> and awesome. uh, uh, during the break, and also come back with three up, three down from the Buffalo game. Here's an update from Murray first. They're Boston's number one afternoon radio program for a reason. They're always stupid with the person. It's Felger and Mass, ninety-eight-five, the Sports Hub. And now it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on 
Nice job by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, let's do this. It's time for three up, three down with Greg Bedard, presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with a triple distilled, triple cast matured, and triple blended Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. I was pleased to hear today that Greg Bedard's going to be with us on the Big Boy Tuesday throughout the playoffs through the Super Bowl. So I'd originally said let's do three up, three down from the season, and, and then I said, well, why do that? Because Greg's with us for the next month, five weeks. So we'll put that off. And, oh, by the way, Greg has yet to compile all the data from the season. Yeah, we'll wring him dry for content. Correct. We're going to stretch that out. So, three up, three down from that Buffalo game. Greg, who do you got? Who is the Patriots' number one star? Uh, Christian Barmore. I thought he was uh, outstanding with the pressure, really close, strong. I had him for four quarterback pressures in this one. Uh, hopefully, he can stay healthy. I was gonna say, he makes a huge difference. He had a big closing stretch, yeah. right? There was one. His second game, he wasn't great, but three out of his last four games, he was really, really good. Okay. Uh, do you want to weigh in, uh, Murray? No, I was going to say, these last couple of games, he really came on strong. And that's one guy that I think that they hit on in recent drafts. So, yeah, Barmore was stud. Okay. Number two. Uh, Devontae Parker. I, I thought he was uh, terrific in this game. He it's just he brings such a physical presence on the outside. It just it, It's a big difference maker um, in this offense. Do I think he's dynamite, you know, dynamic? No. But as far as what they have... They need him on the field to be a functioning offense. Okay, number three. Uh, Kendrick Bourne. I thought he was uh, really good in this game as well. Uh, another guy who you're like, you know, wh- why didn't this guy play more? Overall, offensively, you feel they were approaching, uh, you know, I, I don't know, breaking through, uh, crossing the threshold, something like that, you know, uh, turning the corner to being a good offense? Watching this game, <laughs> I I really had the thought of, is Bill O'Brien up in the press box in the first half calling the plays and then Matt Patricia called the plays in the second half? For example. For example. All right. I they, I almost fell out of my chair watching the film. Their, their first touchdown drive, second drive of the game, they ran play action on four straight plays. First down, usually. I mean, second and seven, third and one, Sorry. first and ten, first and ten. Thank you. And then second and two on the, on the touchdown. Like... Gee, whoever would have thought that Mac Jones in this offense could use play action well. He was 9 of 9 in this game. Their next touchdown drive, okay? First down, play action. First and 10, play action. Second and 2, play action. I mean, and then in the second half, they got back to, you know, shotgun, you know, gun run, fake, you know, this stuff. Like, Mac, that's not what Mac Jones does. When you run an offense, when you don't have dynamic guys, Okay, you need to scheme up space and matchups and things like that. And that's why play action is so important to this offense and Mac Jones. You can only be shotgun, spread them out if you have one of the elite quarterbacks or and or elite talent. Like Joe Burrow can get back there and shotgun all day and do whatever they're going to do and gun run and stuff like that. Josh Allen, too, because, you know, 
Burroughs got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all those guys. The Patriots don't. They don't have any guys that are just going to get open on their own and win matchups. You have to create that with scheme, and that's where one of the many areas where they failed this offense this year. Three down. Go ahead. Number uh, one, Connor down. McDermott. It, it, the last two weeks, man, the second half, he it just was, runs out of steam. Must kill you, Greg. This was your guy. No, the the drop is actually from me naming him like one of the worst players. It's just drops. Hold on, we have Connor McDermott drops. Connor Connor McDermott, McDermott. (laughs) a lot of them. But this is like your free bird. You just got to bring him up. Like you, (laughs) you play the hits. Like people want to hear you say Connor McDermott. Exactly, Uh, Connor McDermott. (laughs) So number one, dud, no good. Yeah. Number two, Trent Brown. Connor McDermott. Thank you, (laughs) Trent Brown. I don't know what to say about him anymore. I mean, you know, look. Is his contract up or they have him for one more year? I think they have him for one more year. I think. But will they? Um, What are they going to do? Just, first of all, Yadni Kajus, who who they drafted in the third round. Bill has to say about Connor McDermott, thank God we have him. Because the guy we drafted in the third round three years ago can't play. Like, why is he on this roster? So, what, now you're going to replace two tackles in one year? I mean, it's possible, but uh, holy cow. Okay, so the first two duds were your tackles. That's not great. Number three, Tyquan Thornton. Um, again, you know, we we were talking about the second half and how, yeah, is Matt Patricia calling the plays in this one and somebody else did in the first half? Um, again, on crucial plays, third downs, you have guys almost running into each other. Tyquan Thornton running into people. Like, it's he wasn't ready to play this much. Any other year, like if Tom Brady was here, there's no way that kid would have see, seen the field outside of a shot play here and there. Just you know, he's he has the potential to be a good player. Just too much too soon here. Okay, your thoughts on Mac Jones's game and where he stands at this point of his career? We'll do that next in our long commercial free segment with your calls. So don't leave your radio. Connor. Mc- what do Felger and Mass think of Felger and Mass? The sin, the crime, the mistake. It's not even funny. It's Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Zone. It just bothers me. Where Colin was right. I had the Patriots missing the playoffs, and I've been on this for two years. They have no offensive sensibility whatsoever. Joe Judge helping with offense. Matt Patricia, give me a break. Uh, Belichick has become, I want to only coach certain players. I want to only work with certain coaches. It's about winning. It's not about making Bill Belichick comfortable. So this one, uh, they're slow. They were 26th in total offense. And I'll say this, Mac Jones isn't the problem. Mac Jones played very well yesterday. Good enough in large part to win. Mac Jones is not the problem. I think you would concur with that, big boy. Mac Jones, not the problem, obviously. Uh, but how about this? So, again, in, in some respects, it was his best game of the year, Sunday in Buffalo. All right, you shake yeah, your head at that. So, you don't you don't agree? Yeah, so-so. I mean, you know, I thought he played well in spurts. I think, you know, looking at the interceptions, um, and I watched them a lot, you know, the first one to Aguilar, Later on, the Devontae Parker touchdown on the left sideline was basically the same play. Mac put the ball in the same spot. The difference was the receiver and also the effort by the receiver. I mean, Devontae Parker's bigger, he's stronger. He went up over the same cornerback, went up over the top, just owned the ball. Nelson Aguilar gets a little contact down the field and he sort of waves at the ball. I mean, you know, should Mac Jones know that's not Devontae Parker? Should he expect 
all the receivers to fight the same way for the ball. I mean, I didn't think it was a bad throw. The second interception, that one's a little bit tougher. Like, I, you know, watching it on film, Cole Strange gives up pressure. And Mac, because of the pressure, Mac has to release the ball probably a half a beat quicker than he wants to. It's, it's before Hunter Henry really gets out of his break. And so Mac's sort of throwing it into an area, hoping that Hunter Henry's going to go up and make a play. If, if Hunter had the ability to see that play a half a second earlier, I think he goes up with two hands and catches that, and it's a touchdown. But because it was on him so quickly, he, he wasn't quite prepared for it, didn't have quite the, the the jump that he would normally have. So it's like, you know, so both those, those interceptions, I, I don't fully put on Mac Jones, but I also don't absolve him either. Okay, but... How about the whole thing about the more he's asked to do, the more mistake-prone he is? I mean, again, so there's a million stats to sort of back that up. They've never won a game in which the opponent scored more than 25 points. So if Mac Jones has to put up... He's 0 for 4 when he has 40 or more throwing attempts. Okay, he's 0 for 4 when he has 40 or more throwing attempts. You know, yesterday, uh, Sunday in Buffalo was his best game. He threw a lot. Oh, but you still get the interceptions and they lose. So it's like, you know, they're stuck with this thing with Mac Jones where... If you don't want him to turn the ball over, you tightly manage him and you control the game and you limit his his throws and you call a conservative game plan. As soon as you open it up, he's better, but you turn the ball over. Is there anything to that? It, it, it's hard for me to say. Like, I don't like those sort of arbitrary numbers, you know, because there's so much context that goes into it. You know, when I see Mac, if Mac Jones was going into a second year of an offense where he had controls over his protection and could also change some of the routes at the line of scrimmage. This is all stuff he's really, really good at. It's it's where he makes the difference over some of the quarterbacks who have better physical skills. And I do think one of the reasons why he, he's been better in the last month or so is I do think they have given him some, some of those controls. If he had full control, say they got in a situation where they were behind by two scores and had to go you know, shotgun spread, if they just continued on from last year, I think he would be better in that regard. But because of the changes that they made in the system, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, the player who told me that, you know, if they if they didn't change the, that, just because of the changes they made with the blocking scheme, which is basically telling the offensive line, shut up, run, block what we call, and don't make any adjustments no matter what the defense does, which, mind you, the defensive have figured out by the second half of the season are attacking that. Like, one of the sacks, the player said one of the sacks that Mac took on Sunday, last year that's blocked easily. But because of the way they do things now, I think it was the Trent Brown sort of, maybe that was a pressure or what have you. But anyways, you know, the difference is how they handle the blocking this year had a huge effect on the on the offense. Not only Mac Jones, but also just negative plays and negative runs and all that stuff. Okay, right back to your phones here, as promised, with Greg Bedard. Don in Rhode Island. Go ahead, Don. How you doing, guys? We're good, Don. What do you got? Quiet. Uh, like, hear me out as a fan right now, okay? Um, as a as a big-time fan and, and, and a fan of you guys, I'm, I'm frustrated, okay? Here's the thing. I think that Patriots should go out and sign O'Brien, get J Jimmy Garoppolo, bring him in here, okay? Because that's who your coach wanted anyway when they ran him out of town. Okay, Don, I'm just going to stop you there. How do you feel about that plan? Not just the coordinator, but the quarterback too. Uh, no, I'm going forward with Mac for another year. I'm putting 
you know, everything into this year, uh, surrounding him with coaching and talent, and then we'll get the answer. I would also look to draft some sort of uh, tradey quarterback in the middle rounds. Tradey quarterback. Like, you know, big arm or athletic or a combination of everything. Something, you know, has the raw tools that could be developed into something special if he sits for a couple of years and is coached the right way. Uh, here's Dean and Shrewsbury. Hi, Dean. As much a problem with the nepotism in the NFL, you think these guys share genetics with the coaches, so they're likely to look at the things the same way. And they've been growing up hearing about the sport from their parents for so long that they probably know. And one last thing I'd like to point out Greg Bedard's Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle has a 5.5 or 5 out of 5 rating with 296 people voting. So great job, Greg. Great job, Greg. I love Cattle's on that. I think he does a great job. The thing about the nepotism, there's obviously a downside to it, though, and that is. If your kids are blocking more qualified people from taking those slots, yeah, like and the that's right sort of, people getting the jobs, you know exactly. That's the obvious downside to it. And I think it would be a really bad look if Gerard Mayo left because of a title or a salary, because he was blocked by one of Belichick's kids. And maybe Belichick's kid is better than Mayo. I don't think he is, but I mean, maybe he is. We don't know. We're not inside the room to know. I'm just telling you the appearance of that especially when the team has been listing the last couple of years. The staff has had problems the last couple of years. The staff is populated with cronies and kids and all that. And now you lose a, a, a um, desirable guy, what I mean, a sought-after guy across the league, all because you won't give him a title because the other kid is here? That's just a horrible look. they got to figure that out. Now, we went back and looked at the timeline of that whole Shiano thing, you know, has Kraft stepped in on something like this before? And it feels like he might have. What did we uh, What did we find out, Greg? Okay, so in after the Super Bowl in 2018, footballscoop.com, which is very reputable, um, especially with college coach movement, uh, reported that Shiano... 18 is the Atlanta Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, they blend together. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Um, it, it was, yeah. So I think that's when Matt Patricia left to go to Detroit. And they reported that Greg Schiano was expected to become the New England Patriots defensive coordinator at that time. I remember I looked it up. I wrote a column basically saying, like, they'd be passing over Brian, Brian Flores for one of Bill's buddies. Now, if Robert Kraft did step in, uh, to me, that would have been the time that he would have done it. That it says, Bill, you're not doing that. You're not bringing in one of your buddies. Brian Flores is ready to do this job. Let him do the job. And so Flores became defensive coordinator. Uh, for the 2019 season. Without the title. Without the title. Uh, they won the Super Bowl. That was the Rams. Yeah, the Rams, Rams Super Bowl. Then he got the Miami job. Then Shiano agreed to come here and to the point where the Patriots released a statement about a month after uh, with statements from both Shiano and Belichick saying that uh, that Shiano was going, for personal reasons, was going to go do okay. something our, else. Our, our timing is off. Atlanta was 16. Philadelphia was 17. Oh, I thought you meant in Atlanta. Sorry. No, but so either way, I'm, I was just trying to, because all the years and whatever blend together. But uh, so that's what you were picking up there, Stu. It was it was that it was it was that it was the year before Shano actually came here or was set to come here. Uh, so there is precedent for it. Yes, I just believe that at some point somebody stepped in, maybe ownership, and said Greg Shiano isn't the right fit for this football team. 
Maybe Bill listened to the players in his locker room who wanted Brian Flores, and they were right. Flores was terrific Mm -hmm. in that role here and is a terrific coach, it feels like to me. So, I mean, when when the room is on the line, I feel like Bill will listen to the room. I think that's why Mac Jones was the starting quarterback as a rookie because the room, the offense, the offensive players wanted Mac Jones as the quarterback, not Cam Newton. Okay, uh, Tommy and Lynn, go Tommy. What's up, boys? This is what I got to say today about this Patriots loss. It was pathetic. This season was a pathetic season. Mac Jones was hung to dry, and these two coaches were slobs. Belichick should be uh, getting yelled at right now. And if they run this back next year, we're all going to be wearing brown paper bags on our heads as Patriots fans. And this should be embarrassing. Let's they got to change things up. Shake things up. Let's go. Okay, Tommy. You don't wear paper bags at 8-8, eight and eight, which is what they're, which is what it feels like they are without changes. Derek and Foxborough, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you guys have talked about how much the players, you know, like Mac Jones and support. Well, like, what does that matter if you suck? Like, when does that ever matter to Belichick? Like, he's run out popular players before. And, you know, I think Maz even had the stat yesterday that they accounted for more offensive touchdowns in the Cam Newton year than they did this year. And they it's did. like... That's not good enough. Like, they scored more offensive touchdowns. I'm going to cut you off. Sorry. They scored more offensive touchdowns. It was a Tommy Curran question yesterday that he asked straight to Bill. He gave Bill the number. The fewest offensive touchdowns scored this past year since 2000, which means you scored more with Cam Newton in 16 games than you did with Mac Jones and Matt Patricia and Bailey Zappi in 17 games. Scary stat. So what but, I don't get about this. But hold on. That's a yep. good point. What does it matter if the quarterback has the support of the room if the quarterback sucks? It's a fair thing to bring up. I don't think he sucks, but your thought. Right. Well, I, I can tell you the way the players view it. I mean, the players, like, you, the, the the film doesn't lie. Just like Cam Newton, Derek makes the point about Cam Newton, the, the players knew. They saw the film. Mac Jones was better. He operated the Patriots' offense the way it's supposed to be operated better on his first day of camp than Cam Newton ever did here. So he, it, it, the players saw it. Now, what I don't understand about Derek and other people like they just like they ignore like last year didn't happen. Like you have you have a control, okay? You have last year the same players, okay? And I went through this and and I had this whole chart about the differences between the offense from last year with Josh McDaniels here and the offense this year with largely the same players. It's the scary. only variable are the coaches the only very, same quarterback, same receivers? They added Devontae Parker. Greg, I they think, changed out a guard. I think their talent was better. The offensive line, maybe not. I mean, so we can debate that. Uh, but I think their talent was better than last year, and they were three games worse, uh, two games worse in the standings. And the offense, the chart that you published on Boston Sports Journal is freaking scary. They scored a hundred less points this year from First, last year. I'll just go through it briefly. From 2021 to 2022, first downs, 362. They went down to 288 this past year. 74 fewer first downs. Red zone percentage went from 62% to 42%. Gold to go percentage went from 77% to 63.5%. Third down percentage, 43 to 35. Sacks, 28 to 41. Huge, uh, you know, difference there. Uh, points, 462 to 364, 98 fewer points. This one is the scariest one. Offensive touchdowns, 
48 to 31. 17 fewer touchdowns. One less a game. That is a that feels to me like a crap ton. So uh, I don't understand how these people like they they just want to heap it on the quarterback. Same players, if not better, different coach. You tell me what's the difference. Seriously. And and then you not only do you have this evidence that is smacking you right in the face that you want to ignore. Look at look what happened in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence was viewed at a, a year ago as a bust. Horrible first overall pick. Now he leads a team to the playoffs. What's the difference there? Coaching. Daniel Jones was viewed as a complete bust. And he might be. I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy. But this year, he's in the playoffs. Why? Because he has a real coach. Mac Jones went from at least good last year as a rookie to sucks to some of you people. Why? Coaching. No, but here in New England, we want to say it's the quarterback. Like, get real. We continue with Greg Bard. It could be both. Uh, we, we continue with Greg Bard. But, Dar, don't he's on a roll. Let him go. The uh, uh, More with Greg. We have breaking Red Sox news at this hour. A major injury to a major player and how that impacts the season. You'll hear those details right here with Big Jim. No commercials. We come back and more with Bedard.